Great is your mercy towards me, your loving kindness towards me, your tender mercy I see day after day day after day forever faithful toward me always providing for me great is your mercy towards me Great is your grace. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to today's episode of Musings with Jesus. My name is Shola. I'm your host. Thank you for joining me. So, yeah, that's the song by, I think that was sang by Donnie McLaughlin. McLaughlin. Um, uh, Pastor Donnie, an American gospel minister, pastor, whatever, you know. Um, he's been like, yeah, he's been in ministry for, for like, as long as I can remember. And this song just rose up in my heart like a few minutes ago, just before recording this. I already had in mind what I wanted to talk about, but this song just came up and you know what? I have learned to go with the flow of the Holy Spirit. And yeah, so... And I, I think it's a, it's there's a reason why that song rose up in me because honestly, great is the mercy of God towards me. God has been merciful to me. The word merciful means, um, you know, full of mercy. You know, when when something is full of mercy, so merciful. And yes, He has been very merciful to me, extremely merciful. I have been a recipient of God's mercy. I mean, in so many ways. As in literally, if I was to open a book and write the things that God has done for me, I think I could actually finish like a a 40-page leaf book, writing line by line, you know. I mean, so many things that I can think of, I can remember. Even medical emergencies, I've had like, you know, a number of medical emergencies where literally, you know, out of nowhere, all kinds of things just happened some led to surgery some you know but some god saw me through it i mean so many things that i can talk about on the health side many things and every time things would look really bad and god would just turn it around and somehow you know i'm still here and i don't have any lasting conditions as a result of that i haven't lived a particularly healthy life if you know what i mean but god has kept me you know and even even some things that you know, um, some issues I had that looked like I they would be lifelong. Somehow, somehow, you know, they are they are, well, the, they are the symptoms are retreating. You know what I'm saying? Without much effort on my part, I might say, you know, but at least much I I know is not by my doing. So he's been very very merciful to me. There are a lot of horrible experiences that he has prevented me from having. There are some that. Which is why, again, which is why I think when I then had a very significant challenge, secondary, not directly to me, but happening to somebody very close to me, which really affected me because I was in it. I was part of it. I was primary care provider and all that. And that was why it threw me for a loop because I was like, no, God, this is not, you know, you and I, we have this understanding. This sort of things don't happen to me. You know what I'm saying? You know, so it was, it was a major thing for me. And I think, um, 
there were many reasons i mean i have my theories as to why um it happened i have learned not to blame god for everything that happens to us and i think this is part of my spiritual growth journey because um the truth of the facts which i think one thing that i have come out with from my time in in seminary i'm currently in bible sem- in bible school and as well as my own life experiences what i've read in the scriptures what i've observed over the years and what i'm also seeing in the world around me is that we are in a broken world broken world what did i say broken world broken 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 when something is broken what does it mean it is not working the way it is intended you know what it's like when you have a bad car you know a car with a bad engine you are not expecting it to run the way a car that has a functioning engine runs you already know you know your car is faulty you know it has faulty brakes you know it has bad engine you know it, it you know the fuel gauge isn't working you know the fuel is leaking so you when it stops if it breaks down if it doesn't deliver if it doesn't move like you want it's not able to maneuver the steering you know things are just not working the way it should you are not surprised why because you know you have a faulty car you have a broken car you have a car that needs to be fixed you know what i'm saying i think that is a fundamental spiritual truth that every christian should always remember we should never ever ever forget we are in a broken world and that brokenness happened after the sin of adam in the garden of eden and nothing has changed to change the brokenness of the world all that happened was that jesus came as the savior of the world to provide a way of escape for all those who will believe in him so he provided a way of escape for us to be reconciled unto God the Father. He did not come to change the, the brokenness of the world yet. His second coming is going to address that, which again brings me to how, you know, the funniness of how God does things. Because I'm like, if Jesus was coming the first time, why didn't he go fix the, you know, fix the world? But now I realize, as I'm even, as we're reflecting on this now, I realize that the first coming was God was God dealing with the relationship issue and the reconciliation issue. He wanted to resolve the intimacy and the one-on-one thing. And he wanted to do it as a human being. So, which is why he came, you know, as a baby, in the bond of a woman, born in a manger, all of that, you know, the whole humble entrance. So he wasn't changing the world, if you know what I mean. He was reconciling himself to the people of the world through a message of of bringing himself into reconciliation or providing a way of reconciliation to the world through the life the sacrifice the ministry the death the resurrection the atonement of um of himself which is um, the lord jesus christ so but he wasn't that first coming was not going to change the brokenness of the world it was only to provide an opportunity for whoever believes to be reconciled unto God. So the world, the system in the world, remains unchanged. And which is why Jesus said, you will suffer persecution. They will come after you. They will kill you. You know, he kept telling all these people because the broken world is still in place. Now, in fact, I'm just realizing as I'm musing now, oh, it's, it's all coming to me, Holy Spirit. Thank you. So apparently that... um. The, the and that was the tension I think with with the people who kept asking him then that are, are you are going to are you going to restore the kingdom at this time they, so they thought that when the Messiah came the Savior the chosen Savior of God that he will restore the kingdom and you know bring things to the way they should be where righteousness rules and prevails and sin becomes you know evil is is, is destroyed 
But Jesus did not come to do that. He didn't come to restore the kingdom physically. He didn't come to repair the broken world. And I think that message is lost in a lot of the way in which we present and we preach about Christ and Christianity now. Because if we understand that we are living in a broken world, there are certain we will understand that. Hmm, we will understand that evil reigns in this world. We will understand that the sin, that the world is sinful, and that the world will naturally be anti-Christ and anti-righteousness. And we will understand that it is actually impossible to find happiness in this world. Because that's like looking for apple juice from an orange fruit. You know what I'm saying? How can the world give you happiness? It's not possible. <laughs> where, 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 there is no happiness gene in, in the DNA of the world. There is no happiness chromosome. It's a broken world. And not just, it's horribly broken. It's not even slightly broken. It's not even superficially broken. It is fundamentally broken. Fundamentally to the core. Fundamentally corrupt. And it is on it is at the second coming of Christ, the return of, of Jesus, that he's going to change all of that. But we're not there yet. So everything that is in the Bible is God showing us how to live as Christians in this broken world. And Jesus was aware of this broken world syndrome. Because if you notice, in his last prayer, the prayer that is recorded that he prayed for the disciples and all them that will believe upon their word, people like you and I, in John 17, he spoke, he prayed a lot. He said, Lord, I pray for these ones that I'm leaving behind. I have kept them. All the ones that you have given to me, I have kept them. None of them has fallen. None of them has have, have departed uh, from me. None of them have been taken by the evil one. I pray that you keep them. I'm not saying you should take them out of this world, but that keep them from the evil in this world. He prayed passionately. And I know that feeling. It's the kind of feeling that I as a mother have when I pray for my children for how they will be when I leave this world. Because I know I'm going to leave this world one day. I know by his grace I will live before them. And I worry. I worry for what's going to happen. So I pray. I pray a prayer because when you're not here, you're not here. Jesus knew, I won't, Jesus knew he was not going to be here. He knew. He knew he was leaving. And that even though he would be in heaven, being in heaven is not the same as being present here on earth. So he prayed. And I've come to realize, I've come to realize that there is something about prayers on earth. I believe that prayers carry more worth when they are prayed on earth than when you are praying from heaven. I, honestly, I, I, I don't really have a scriptural background for it other than the fact that Jesus tells us to pray. But it appears that God when God gave the earth to the children of men, it is only people that are living that have a right. There is a right. Okay, let me put it this way. It appears that there is this, a spiritual right that people who live on the earth have to answered prayers on things and situations on the earth that is not necessarily transferable after you leave this earth. So in other words, any prayer that you want to pray, either for your yourself while you are living and for the generations that will come after you, pray it now while you are alive and have breath. Otherwise, God will have to raise another person after you are dead to pray that prayer before he can do something in that area. If, if no one else has ever prayed about it before. 
and i can't give you any other scriptures for why i believe this is so other than the fact that he says that we should pray and that i always see that god moves people to pray that shows that he needs the prayer and then i have seen in my life i've seen you know like there's some prayers that i know that some of my my grandmother prayed she's no longer alive the prayer lived after her i've also seen that when the patriarchs were living when joseph before jacob left he prayed he prayed for his his children before he left everything that he prayed came to pass um abraham also prayed isaac prayed so i've come to david also prayed i think moses also prayed so why did they count it important in fact was it isaac or one of them that actually called his sons and blessed them why did they find it so important to say those prayers before they departed because they knew that there is worth there is value in praying those prayers while you are in a living body because the earth is given to the children of men and even that's why even the devil he has to use men to do his evil things you don't see demons running around now they're using men if every man and that's why the gospel preaching the gospel evangelization um, evangelizing you know discipling people we christians modeling the right way of doing things is important because if nobody yields to the devil then there will be no evil on earth evil exists on earth because we yield to him in the same way righteousness exists on earth because people yield to righteousness they yield to god they yield to the spirit of god they yield to the word of god But this is a broken world. It's important we know this. It's a broken world. If we understand this, we will pray more. We will commit things into the Lord. We will do things expecting that it will, it, the devil wanted to fail. And that the system will work against you. Particularly if you are a godly and a righteous person. Because the Bible says it. This system is anti-God. It rewards evil. Don't you see? I mean, Nigeria, we just finished an election. The way they stole, they killed, they destroyed. And the system rewarded them for it. Even patting him on the back. The guy is feeling very cool with himself for something he stole. He's glaring to everybody. You did not win the election. You did not. But guess what the world sister is rewarding him. We even had some world leaders congratulating the, the heist. It's the most satanic thing I've ever seen in my life. an evil world it's a broken world you know it's a world where things it doesn't make sense what happens you know and for me i'm saying this i'm in my 50s i'm just realizing this and okay don't get me wrong it's not like i didn't realize that the world was broken but the the reality of it has just dawned on me just like in the same way like i said if you have a computer the mouse is not working the keyboard is not working or you know those funny things that happen whereby some of the um um, how would I say the letters are not quite showing what they're supposed to show like I have one of my old keyboards um, I have the arts doesn't show arts I have to press another key before it shows arts you know and all that so it's not working no matter how much I press that key that is showing arts it will never ever give me arts rather it gives me apostrophe or inverted commas or something like that so once I realized that okay that's what it does when I um, I got used to when I want to press um, inverted commas, I press ads when I want to press ads, you know, anyway, it's, it's all messed up so that's how the world is it's a broken, you know and it, it, if so when bad things happen, we should not be asking why did it happen we should actually be thanking God that 
something worse did not happen and that it did not even happen before now. Because the world is programmed for evil, for corruption, for loss. For loss. It is the presence of light, you know, through, the, through Jesus. That's why Jesus had to come physically. I mean, the Bible talks about what, um, how when God looked at the earth after the fall of man, and he said he found out that the whole earth was full of violence and that the imagination of man was con- continually wicked. That was when he decided to destroy the earth in the time of Noah. You can imagine what brought him to that level. He said the imagination of their hearts was, as if you wake up in the body, all you are thinking about is how you are going to do evil because the devil had taken over people's lives and minds. So from then on, God was on a quest to bring the knowledge of his will onto the earth so that people will, will have a reason and a sense of purpose to resist the evil that had overtaken the world. What happened in the Garden of Eden was very fundamental. There is no way that Eve could ever have imagined the spiritual implication of what she was doing, which really is very scary for me because I'm like, if the Garden of Eden is an illustration of, you know, how physical choices we make can actually unleash spiritual impact. What then does that do for a lot of the decisions and the choices that I make on a daily basis? And we see this as well. For instance, people who use, when you you start using drugs or certain kinds of substances, it's looking just like I'm taking something physically. I mean, literally, it's just like taking a pill or smoking something. But where the spiritual, emotional, I mean, this, oh Lord, the spirit and soul impact of that over time is completely exponentially bigger, more significant than that simple decision to take a pill or to take a piece of powder and sniff it. So, um, I think I'll just stop it there because for me, I started off by singing the song, Great is Your Mercy Towards Me, but we then ended up talking about the broken world. I think it's so, and, and I think this is what God really wants me to realize because we must understand that as Christian, I must understand that, that we are in a warfare, that we're in the battlefield. This is not home. This place that we're in is not home. It can never be home. God will bless us here. He will make it as comfortable as he can for us, but it is not home. And a Christian should never get to the point where you feel comfortable here. The minute I start feeling comfortable here, then something has happened. I am no longer a Christian. You know what I'm saying? It's a broken world. It's an evil world. The Bible says, warn to them that are at ease in Zion. How can you as a Christian, how can I as a Christian be here and I'm comfortable with this world where the poor people are punished? Evil, you know? For me, the most satanic thing is the reward that... It pays to be, but particularly like in my country, if you are a cheat, you are a liar, you are a murderer, you are rewarded for it. If you are honest, you are transparent, you are kind, you are punished for it. If you are, in fact, if you are not careful, you will lose your life. The world doesn't want to hear the truth. That's what I found, and and that that's a global phenomenon. I see it everywhere in conversations about race, in conversations about whether it's gender or whatever it is that is going on, people don't want to hear the truth. They want to hear what they want to hear. 
so everybody now just says whatever they think most people would like them to say so that they can get the things that they need to get done so for me now i more than before when i was younger i a part of me and this is a confession this is not something i can say i mean i can say this now but i to be honest I I felt the Bible was the word of God and I felt it was stronger than everyone. But I, I still felt that the world had a lot of sensible, had, had sense. You know what I mean? I was one of those people that believed that there was a lot of sense in the world. Now I am fully convinced that there's no sense in the world. Because even what they, they, they say is sense, it just looks like sense. But by the time you dip inside, there's insensibility in it. I'm completely disillusioned with the world. Because I have seen them, in fact, too many things have you know i don't just understand it there's 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 a lack of sincerity in the narratives that come through from the world system so they say whatever they want to say because of what they want to get there's an ulterior motive in 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 many things that are said and when i say world systems i mean like global governments and everything you just can't trust them anymore but now i i have more faith and trust in god because God is not concerned. It's not. It's not about what He wants to get from me. God is. I mean, He doesn't need anything from me, really. So it's really just about me and my life. And He's not focused on. You know, He's not changing His mind. I think that's the thing. The world. They, they're forever changing the goalposts. They're not consistent. They're not consistent. You see the double standards in everything that they do. I don't want to give examples in world politics and current affairs, but the double standard is, 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 is horrendous. You say you support human rights and democracy, but you support people who, who, who take power from undemocratic means. You say you are for humanitarian service and everything, but we see the difference between how you respond when it's conflict in Europe and when it's conflict in Africa. So you don't really believe what you say that you believe. You 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 are just concerned about your own interests. Okay, that's fine. But then don't come tomorrow and tell us that you are this or you are that. So I like God because God does not make a distinction between the Jews and between the Greeks, between Gentile, between male or female. He believes that all of us are worthy of the gift of mercy, of the gift of grace. When I say worthy, worthy because he says we are worthy, not worthy because of anything we have done because of his love towards us i am comfortable with that in fact and that brings me to why my faith and my trust in the bible has and in the word of god has increased exponentially because it does not change i am looking for stability in my life the uncertainty the up and down yo-yo philosophies of the world today they will come and say this tomorrow they now we're even debating the things that we thought it was impossible to, to to debate so I'm I know I can't build my life that way. I'm sorry. So I will stay with the word of God that doesn't change and that has proven to be timeless and I have proven in my life to be true, to be dependable, to be credible, to be reliable, to be authentic, to be powerful, to be impactful and to be able to get me through life. So I leave it there. And thanking God for his mercy, I pray that he will continue to reveal himself in our lives. And um, that for all of us who seek him genuinely, he will show himself, reveal himself and give us the faith, the strength, the confidence that we have, to li- that we need to live and walk with him. And also influence and impact other lives positively as well in Jesus' name.